I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. Well, one more time, I just want to say welcome. We are glad that you're worshiping with us today. We are continuing the series we started last week. It's just a little mini-series on discipleship because we believe this is an important part of what we need to become as the church. That so often, discipleship is something that's missing in the church. And we need to rediscover what it's about and how we can, as followers of Christ, live that out every day. And so last week, I had you do a word association where I threw some words at you and you shot back your answers. This week, I'm going to have you do an imagination exercise. Uh, Trust me, I'm not trying to do psychotherapy on you guys. Uh, We won't be recording any answers, so uh, you can feel safe in this room. Uh, So the first thing that I want you to do, I want you to take a moment and I want you to imagine a creature some kind of animal or, or something like that that, you know, that will come to your mind. I, I don't know what came to your mind when I said that, but, but think about some animal. A- anybody got a good animal that they wanted to throw out that came to mind as I was speaking? Zebra, all right. What was that? Your sister, all right, there you go. Sisters are strange animals, that's for sure. No, all right. Well, awesome. Okay, now I want you to think of something else. I want you to imagine something else. This time, I want you to imagine an animal that has never existed. I I, I want you to think of something that you've never seen a picture of before, that you've never seen uh, depicted in any kind of fantasy thing. It's something brand new, something that you are creating from scratch right now. All right, you got your animal, your creature? Let, let me submit this. If you've thought of something unique, think about what you thought about for a second and recognize that whatever you're thinking is probably made up of something that already exists. Like, I, I love science fiction. I love watching those movies where they have the really strange aliens and, and, and really creative ways of depicting what life might look like out there in the universe. But if you stop and think about it for a second, almost every depiction is made up of something that already exists. They might have octopus tentacles on there, or uh, they might have weird horns or like 50 million eyes, but the eyes look like some creature you've seen before. Because we can't just imagine things that have never been created. Well, today, as we talk about discipleship, I want you to consider that part of discipleship is considering the unimaginable. That there, there is a part of deciding that you want to follow Christ and that you want to be someone who's dedicated to discipleship, that a part of that is creating the unimaginable. Now, I'm going to show you something that might be unimaginable to you, especially if you're not a child of the 80s. I have with me today my very last mixtape. I don't have my first one, but if you're, if you're not a child of the age, you may not recognize what, this, this is how we used to listen to music. 
Like before you could download it directly to your phone, we actually had to get these cassettes. And if you had a friend who was nice, they would take and use some of their cassettes and get this thing called a boom box. And, and you could record songs and they would, they would fast forward and get you so you had all the right songs on your mixtape. Now, these were great until you started making copies of your copy. And as you started making copies of your copy, the problem is the quality went down. And all of a sudden there's static showing up there. There's weird stuff. Maybe if they recorded it off of the radio, there's some DJ in the mix that wasn't in the original. You're getting copies of copies of copies, and it's just, it doesn't look like the original anymore. Well, I think that's the way church can be sometimes. We've been copying a copy of a copy for so long, sometimes we forget the original purpose of the church, to make disciples. Every year in September, I usually like to come back to Acts chapter 2, because that's where the original was. That's where we see how the church originally began. And I I'm fearful that when you talk about church and you invite people to church, sometimes they'll say, well, I've tried church before. It just doesn't work for me. And what they're really saying is I tried a copy of a copy. And it, it, it didn't fill the need in my heart. Or I've tried God, and what they're really saying is I tried a copy of some copy of some church that tried to copy what God was like. And I recognize we're never going to get it right. We're never going to get perfect but we can get better at it as we choose to go back to the original. Last week, we shared the Great Commission of Jesus sending out his 12 disciples and saying, I've given you all authority. And so then he goes up to heaven. And now you've got these, actually, 11 disciples who are confused and not knowing what to do other than they were told to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And so they go and they find this room, most likely the same room where they had the Last Supper. And they go up into that room and they begin to pray and they begin to wait. And as they're doing that, some of the other people who had followed Jesus were joining them. And we read in Acts chapter 2 that on the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost was this feast that the Jewish people celebrated. It's a, it's a feast that they celebrated when God gave the law to Moses. And so on that feast day, they're up in this room praying and the Holy Spirit falls on the believers in that room. Then they began to speak in languages that are unknown to them. But as they pour out into the streets, they're speaking the languages of people who had gathered for the feast, gathered from the entire region, and they hear people praising God in their own heart language. And as they're hearing that, they're, they're going, what is happening? How are these people who have never studied my language speaking to me the praises of God? And then Peter gets up, and he just delivers this fiery message talking about who Jesus was and how he had been crucified and how what was happening right there in that moment was a fulfillment of prophecy that was given hundreds of years before. And then he invites them to become followers of Jesus Christ. And we're told in that moment 
3,000 people joined the church. Church day one. And all of a sudden, there's 3,000 people who were brought in. There's 120, and then they jumped it to 3,120. I mean, it's just amazing. But with all that amazingness, there comes a problem. What are we going to do now? We got all of these people. They say they want to follow Jesus. Jesus has ascended to heaven. What do we do now? Well, that's where we get Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. And I want to read that for us this morning. As a matter of fact, why don't we stand for the reading of God's Word? Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And I will be reading today out of the New Living Translation. And this is how it reads. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for faithful servants like Luke who wrote down what happened in that early church. And I pray that as we look at this, that we would begin to believe that we can do unimaginable things like them. That as we desire to allow our lives and our church to better reflect the calling that you have placed upon us, that we would see unimaginable things happening here in Menominee, unimaginable things happening at Stout, unimaginable things happening around the world because of our faithfulness to believe your words. So impart that kind of faith in us this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you be seated, wave at some people, let them know that you're excited to be worshiping with them today. So, again, this is, this is the first church. This is what happened when the day of Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit came on, and the disciples started deciding that they're going to disciple. And, and I want to point out a couple of things. Uh, last week, we, we read these words from Jesus where he said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And what I want you to see from the passage we read just before this is there's a couple of unimaginable things that happen. Jesus said, go and teach these people. And the first unimaginable thing that we see happen is they obey Jesus. He said, go do this. And guess what? They went and they did it. That, that when people got 
brought into the kingdom, they actually went and discipled them like they were, like they were told to. I, I think this is amazing because you look throughout the Bible and you look throughout church history of people who have come to faith in Christ or people who are following after God. God told them to do something. Sometimes they listened. Sometimes they didn't. But these guys actually obeyed. They, they heard the call and they obeyed. And what I want you to see is what they did in that moment was they created for us a pattern of discipleship. They created for us a template that we can look at and say, if we do the things that they did, we become more like the original and less like a copy that's been handed down to us through generations. We become more like what the original intent was. And by doing that, we actually become sharper. In doing that, our message stays clear. In doing that, we actually more accurately represent what Jesus came and created the church to do. And so, a few things that we see from Acts 2, I'm just, I ripped apart a couple of verses, put them all together so you can kind of see. These are the things that they were saying they were doing. It's all discipleship. It says, all the believers. Realize this is not saying just the new believers. It said all the believers were doing this. All the believers devoted themselves, first of all, to the apostles' teaching. They, they listened to what they were telling them because that's what Jesus told them to do. They were listening because that was how they were finding out what Jesus expected. And so they devoted themselves to hanging out with the apostles and finding out what did Jesus say? What were we supposed to obey? What types of things did he teach you? And so they devoted themselves to these teachings. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to gathering together in groups and hanging out together, which kind of goes into the next thing of sharing in meals. They got together, they shared time together it wasn't just a Sunday morning experience for them. They were actually getting out and getting into each other's lives. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And what I want you to see here in prayer, it wasn't just go in your prayer closet and pray by yourself. This was corporate prayer. They devoted themselves to getting together and praying for each other, praying for needs, praying for more of the boldness to proclaim what Jesus had called them to do. We also see that they shared everything they had. So generosity began to spark up in them. They, they tried to take care of people. They worshiped together at the temple. They, they got together in a large group to worship together. Can you imagine that next Saturday, which is when they had their temple time, all of a sudden you have 3,000 new Christ followers coming into the temple to worship. That must have been pretty amazing. And then they also met together in homes. So they got together in big groups, and then they got together in small groups. And they shared their meal with joy and generosity. This is our example. Last week I told you I'd, I'd give you practical how to be a disciple. This is how you do it. You copy these things that the first church did. 
You devote yourself to the Word of God. You devote yourself to gathering together in groups for fellowship, for connecting with one another. You share meals together. You get in each other's lives. You pray for one another. You take time and you worship on Sunday mornings together. And then you meet in homes or in coffee shops or whatever business is open and will allow you to meet in them. And you find ways to engage with one another. You allow what God has done in you to birth generosity towards the people in our church and towards the people outside of our church. This is simple stuff. What we are given here, this is really simple. But it's really hard. Because we've got schedules and we've got priorities and we've got things we want to see done with our lives. And what Jesus is saying is these things need to become more important. They're very simple to do. Matter of fact, before we leave today, you could grab somebody and say, hey, I would love to stay in connection with you. Let's go get a meal together. That's a simple thing, but it might be intimidating. And it, it, it might feel a little bit like, I, I don't know if I can do that right now. And that's okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to give you some grace. And we're going we're gonna to work over this next year to lead into this. But they obeyed. They obeyed Jesus. And then the next amazing thing that happened when they obeyed Jesus, they changed the world. Those 150 disciples plus 3,000 changed the world. If you don't believe it, look at your calendar. It's split in half. Like they're trying to say it's the common era and the before the common era, but that's just a way to confuse people to recognize Jesus Christ split time in half. So much of our culture here in the United States is because of people following Christ. That we, we have the morals, we have the laws, we have the direction we go as a country, whether or not people believe in Jesus to a large degree, because people took his word seriously. And we read in verse 27, or sorry, 47, that while they were being disciples, while they were doing all of these things, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day. From day one, they, they got 3,000. But it says, every day after that, somebody new came in. And guess what? For 2,000 years, that hasn't stopped. For 2,000 years, God has been adding new people to his church. God has been adding new souls to get saved. God's been adding new disciples into the ministry that he started 2,000 years ago. So the question is not, is he going to continue to do it? The question is, are we going to partner with that? Are, are we going to come alongside what God is already doing, or are we going to try to do our own thing and ask God to bless that? Because I think that's what a lot of churches do. They, they find strategies, they do their little events, and they say, God, please bless this. Rather than looking and say, God, what are you up to, and how can I come alongside of that? In Acts chapter 2, we see the original. 
It wasn't a copy of a copy of a copy. It's the sharpest thing we have. It's the most world-transforming thing we have. To simply gather together and disciple one another. To be committed to being in each other's lives and to help each other grow in our faith. And it has to be more than me doing it. I mean, I love doing it. I love helping people grow in their faith. But I'm doing a terrible job if I'm the only one in our church who's discipling other people. It has to be something that we do together. Because just like they obeyed and they changed the world, I believe the same thing is possible. When we obey, we will change the world. When we obey, the world will change. It might not happen overnight. It might not be that tomorrow, if we all start obeying, that the coronavirus is gone and the whole world is saved. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen. But when you commit yourself to this, you begin to notice little things. You begin to see the world around you, the, your, your family, your friends begin to change. And then if enough of us get excited about this, we begin to see our community changed. And then we can see entire movements that are taking it beyond just our community to around the world. I'm just crazy enough to believe if it worked for them, it can work for us. And so that's why I, I really want to con- you to consider what it would take for you to be a discipler. What, what, what would you need to do? And I, I got three ideas that you could implement. You could start it today, potentially. Maybe not all three of these, but, but you could start now beginning to pray and ask God, how can I be a discipler? First idea I have for you is just peer-to-peer discipleship. Get together with other people that you already like and hang out with them and start holding each other accountable, asking them what they're doing to disciple other people, asking them what they're doing, what they're learning from God's Word, asking them who they're praying for who's far from God. Just get together with other people and and invite people in that you like, that you get along with and, and hold each other accountable. The other thing that I think would be really powerful in our community is stout discipleship. And now by stout discipleship, I don't mean like hearty discipleship, although that would be good too. But we have a campus that serves the world literally on the other side of our door. We can walk out that door And we have access to some of the world's brightest and best students. We need to take advantage of that. We need to be looking for opportunities. We need to be finding ways. And and if you're interested in that, I've got all sorts of resources for you. Crew is looking for more people to be involved in their discipleship program. I'm sure InterVarsity would love to have more people involved in their discipleship program. And I, I'm in relationship with both of their directors. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm discipling a stout student because I believe in this so strongly. We need to be looking for opportunities. And, and maybe, maybe you need to, maybe stout is too intimidating. Maybe you just need to disciple a teenager in this room. Amen, Mark, are you still up there? He, he might have bounced. He's there. He, 
He, he believes in this. Amen. <laughs> so we, we, need to be, we need to be finding ways to disciple people younger than us. Now, if you're, if you're younger, then maybe, maybe it'd be harder to do, but we have the opportunities right now. None of us have the excuse, I don't know anybody to disciple. I will find you somebody. Trust me. I'll get someone in your life. And the last one is one that I'm still kind of trying to figure out. I mean, I'm trying to decide, what does this look like? And I think the church world is trying to decide, what does this look like? But digital discipleship. What would it look like to be more intentional about the fact that because of the pandemic, we now have access to tools that we never had before and people who are more proficient in using those tools than we've ever had in the history of the world? What would it look like to use Facebook? What would it look like to use Zoom? What would it look like to use our online church platform to reach more people for Christ? And not just to reach them, but to help them grow. I think this is a frontier. I really pray COVID goes away. I really pray we will be able to meet in person and not have to worry about whether or not. But even if that happens, even if COVID ends tomorrow, online church won't end. I believe online church is the front door. We used to have to care about how nice the front door looks. Right now, we have to care about what does it look like when people connect with us through our Facebook page, through our online church page, through our website. And I need people who are excited about what that could look like to disciple people who might live in Georgia or in California or in the Dominican Republic or in Korea. We've had people during the pandemic who've connected with us from those places. We have no idea what we can do if we would simply do what we've been asked to do, which is obey and trust that God will do the changing. And so that's why next week we're going to be launching a new program called Lifeguards. Oh, there it is. And I really want to encourage you to consider being a part of this. As a matter of fact, I said this last week, I'll say it again this week. I really want there to be two types of people who attend River of Life. Two types of people who walk in this door on Sunday morning, or two types of people that connect with us online. I want there to be people who are far from God who come in here seeking Him. And I want there to be lifeguards. So in other words, if you're in here and you already know Christ, I want you to be a lifeguard. I want you to be someone who's taking seriously the call that we have to make disciples. And so the four pillars, we don't have this all figured out. We're still working out how this is all going to work. But here are the things that we think are non-negotiables. If you're going to be a lifeguard, we want you to be committed to pour over Scripture. That you take time and you allow Scripture to daily influence your life. More than just a five-minute look at the YouVersion app at what the verse of the day is, but that you're actually being intentional about incorporating more of God's Word every day into your life, that you would pray daily for non-believers. Sometimes we don't see people brought in because we forgot that it's our responsibility to be praying for people. And I want you to have a hit list of three to five people that you're praying for that you have immediately immediate access to that you could 
be influencing for the kingdom. I want you to practice hospitality. That once, a, once a month, you would maybe invite somebody from the church to your home or out to a meal. Once a month, you would invite somebody who doesn't go to our church out for a meal or to your home. And then once a month, you would just do it again in, in your choice, whether it's someone from the church or somebody outside of the church. And that we're accountable. We're actually telling each other whether or not we're doing this and that we're not shaming you if you don't, but we're encouraging each other to continue in the practice of being people who are disciplers because that is our heritage. And the amazing thing about this is the Bible tells us those of us who believe in this, we will do the unimaginable. Those of us who actually live this out will do things that nobody thought was possible. I want to read to you a passage that we often read and we misappropriate. We read this passage and we think it's talking about heaven, but it's not. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul tells the Corinthian church, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We read that and our mind goes to heaven, that God is preparing something that we can't even imagine. And let me tell you, he is. He absolutely is. The the few glimpses that we get in the scripture about what heaven is like, we recognize they're just types. They're just, they're trying to show us, but they're giving us glimpses into something that is unknowable right now. But this scripture is actually talking about the fact that people are being brought into the kingdom. People that others wouldn't have imagined. And he's saying, as we're seeing Gentiles brought in, as we're seeing people of other religions brought in, we're beginning to see what the scripture means. That no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He's talking about the church. He's talking about our call to do the unimaginable. As a matter of fact, the verse he's referring to is Isaiah 64 and verse 4. And it reads a little differently. It reads, For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Same general idea. We have a God that we can't even imagine who is doing unimaginable things if we will simply do what he's called us to do. That word waiting doesn't mean sitting back and twiddling your thumb, waiting for God to show up. As a matter of fact, when you read the rest of the, that, that passage, he's actually talking about people who live godly lives. You're going to see God do unimaginable things in your life. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's hard to put your mind around but I want you to see this. If you get nothing else out of the service, I want you to understand, disciples do the unimaginable. Disciples do the unimaginable. Whether it was Peter standing up, a man who had forsaken Jesus, who had betrayed him, standing up and on the first day of the church, preaching a sermon and thousands of people got saved. Or whether it was Philip reaching out to a eunuch who was just on his way back to Ethiopia and 
gave him the message, and then it spread from there. Or the early disciples, all the things that, or the history we have as a church of people doing unimaginable things. That's our heritage. That's what all of us have been called to. That's what each and every one of you in this room, if you call upon the name of Christ, you are called to do the unimaginable. And it may not look miraculous. It may just look like a faithful servant of God doing the next right thing. But I'm here to tell you, I've seen the miraculous. And it doesn't happen when I'm sitting back waiting for it. It happens when I actually engage. And I'm talking about the real miraculous. I've been in situations where I prayed for people and seen deaf ears open. I've been in situations where I prayed for people and seen muscles reattach themselves that were torn. I've seen this stuff. But it's come on the other side of obedience. If we want to see the miraculous in our church, we need to start obeying. I don't think faith is a magic word that you just pray over yourself, give me more faith. Faith is, oh, Jesus told me to do this, I'm going to go do it. And that's when we begin to see miraculous things happen in our lives, unimaginable things. So I want to encourage you, as we prepare for next Sunday, as we prepare for a day that we are trying to invite more people in, let's believe for the unimaginable. We're giving away some brats, we're giving away some hot dogs. It's going to be a fun Sunday. But if all we do is give away brats and hot dogs and we're not actually serious about following the mandate we've been given to make disciples, it'll be a great Sunday, but we'll just be following a pattern that's been handed down to us from another church or another ministry. Let's be people who live this out and see God do amazing things through us. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are the God of the unimaginable. I thank you that you take humble men and women, teenagers and children, who simply believe your word and obey it. And you open doors to unimaginable things. I pray that you would raise up faith in us. That we would be excited for what you have in store for our lives. That we would be excited for what you have in store for our church. And that you would do things beyond what we could hope or even imagine. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. Give us faith to believe you for more. Give us faith to believe you for greater days. God, I imagine there's either people in this room or people who will connect with this message online. And they don't know you. There are people who are searching for you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw them to yourself in this moment that they could be a part of Acts 2.47, that every day someone new is being added to the church. And if that's you, if you feel God's pull on your heart in this moment, 
I want to invite you to pray just a simple prayer. You can use my words, you can use your own. You can say this out loud or you can say this in the quietness of your heart. But I want you to say something simple like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. Forgive me for my mistakes. Forgive me for my sin. I turn away from my old life. And I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me the strength to follow Jesus every day. God, I thank you for this new life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, please come talk to me or talk to one of our prayer team. We want to make sure that you get the resources you need to be a disciple of Jesus, to follow him. Matter of fact, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing one more song, and we're going to invite our prayer teams to come up. We'll have a couple up here. We might have a few in the back. If you need prayer for anything during this last song of worship, feel free to come forward or, or, or find one of our prayer teams and let them pray for you. And, and if, you, if you made that decision, let them know, and they'll, they'll make sure you get resources. If, you, if you're online and you've gotten connected with this, send us an email or send us a Facebook notification that you made that decision. We want to make sure you get the resources you need. But for the rest of us, as, as we leave today, whether you, whether you leave right now or whether you leave after this last song of worship, grab a couple of these invitations and invite somebody to church next week. Let's start this discipleship process off right by getting more people connected with what God's doing. I love you guys. Hope to see you again next week. Let's take a moment and just declare how good our God is, that he is a way maker. He does the unimaginable as we trust him. Amen.